Welcome to the Canvas Rebel Podcast, where we believe your story matters. Your viewpoint and your insights matter. In our view, there is far too much coverage of the trends that ivory tower professors and billionaire fund managers are seeing. What's the edge in hearing the billionaire consensus view over and over again? The edge comes from hearing new perspectives and new information, like from the wedding planner who's worked with hundreds of couples during the pandemic and has noticed that new couples are allocating significantly more of their wedding budgets on small details like personalized neon signs, or hearing from an accountant who's seeing how there is a huge uptick in e-commerce clients generating revenue from in-person pop-ups. Those sorts of insights are what Canvas Rebel is all about. And today, Madison is chatting with some of our content partners about trends and lessons learned. Content partners help us in so many ways from sponsoring our mission to spreading the word about the work that we do and collaborating with us on content like this. And so with no further ado, here's Madison with today's panel. Everyone, my name is Madison. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Canvas Rebel podcast, talking about building a successful brand in the beauty industry. I am an avid beauty consumer myself. I love my appointments, I love my self care days, but I'm always looking to learn more about building out a really substantial brand and and the business side of things is so interesting to me so i have two extremely talented individuals here with me today and i can't wait to learn more about each of you and in your businesses let's get started with some introductions okay i'll go first my name is isaac espinosa i'm a hairdresser um based in uh, the tampa area just on the outskirts of tampa i've been a hairdresser a little over 22 years and i'd say my niche is more of uh lived in natural soft um type looks i love that and my name is veronica rogers i am the owner of black swan beauty um we are a bridal hair and makeup company that's our primary market we are a team of both hair and makeup artists um, that work and operate on site and we have branches up in the indianapolis indiana area as well as in nashville tennessee that's amazing Well, two very different niche markets here. We've got that natural, lived-in, luxury hair clientele base, and then the bridal market, which is like, that's a totally different beast in and of itself. I'm excited to hear more about what you each have to say, but let's get started with my first question. Have you always been called to a career in the beauty industry? What has that entrepreneurial journey looked like for each of you? So for me, um, I feel like I I knew from a super young age that I definitely always wanted to be involved in the beauty industry. Um, I feel like I pretty much came out of the womb, you know, really interested in hair and makeup. I was always (laughs) wearing high heels as a little girl and getting into mom's makeup when I was so young. And then when I was about nine years old, I started to develop some very, very severe acne and it was severe enough and at a young enough age that it could no longer be dealt with through over-the-counter medications. And I actually had to be sent to a dermatologist. And so then from there, makeup became one of the avenues that allowed me to feel good and feel confident in my skin and to be able to look at myself kind of in the mirror and to really have a little bit more of a gentle a gentle thought process when I was looking at, at myself. So yeah. makeup then almost became like an escape. 
And once it became something that allowed me to feel good and allowed me to escape in it, then it became something that I got to really play with. So I really decided um, when I was about 13 years old that that was what I wanted to do for a living. Um, I went to beauty school while I was in high school. Um, So I graduated high school with my cosmetology license and then Mm. I hit the ground running. And the first job outside of beauty school was in bridal. And I completely fell in love with the industry and all of the things it allows you to do for people and to create this dynamic where you let them see how beautiful they are. But truthfully, I, I worked as an artist and I was a freelancer for a long time. And I told myself, um, I was never going to own a business. And then, you know, God or the universe, they had a different plan for me. And after about seven years of, you know, freelancing, I decided to open up my own business and it just took off like wildfire. That's amazing. And so special that you and and your, or your team gets to be so closely involved with someone on such a significant and meaningful day in their lives. I mean, the, the makeup team, the hair team and the photographer at weddings, they're, they're really like in there on on the wedding day they have a very very special it, it's almost like an intimate role with oh it's on party for yeah sure. yeah that's beautiful it is one of the most incredible experiences it's something that i really value you know there are people who maybe i did their weddings years ago and they still remember me because it's just an experience that they're going to remember for for the rest of their lives and one that yeah. you really get to you really get to share and you share like the best days of people's lives with them every single weekend yeah that's amazing yeah that is pretty cool i've never given that um any thought as to you know you getting to spend such a to spend such time with them on on like a significant like that that is really awesome yeah everyone always remembers the hair or their makeup artist from their wedding like it's like they'll, they'll remember you forever yeah that's cool so um yeah i pretty much knew that i wanted to be a hairdresser when i was uh 15 years old um uh the like my my bolt of lightning that kind of hit me was i thought it was super cool when i was 15 uh i was in a mall and i saw this girl doing hair and she was dressed like you know how kind of cool like i would say um industrial style like like nine inch nails like that even though that Uh wasn't like my style of clothes i thought it was really cool that she could kind of you know just dress the way she wanted to dress and do something, um, you know, that was hands-on. So, uh, a couple of years I worked a couple of years after high school. Um, and then, uh, I, I, you know, I went back to, Hey, I, I want to be a hairdresser. Um, cause working, you know, doing the jobs that I was doing weren't really for me. And so, um, I'd always liked, uh, I'd always liked fashion and, um, like style and, I always knew that I would be good with doing anything with my hands. So that kind of hairdressing um, kind of allowed me to line up my my personal interest yeah. and um, and you know my my skills for uh, being visual and being hands on. And um, yeah, I I I really enjoyed being a hairdresser. Um, there there isn't like when people ask me, oh, what else would you do? I'm like, I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, it, that's so that's so wonderful because it sounds like you both really love what you do. And especially when it comes to hair, hairdressers are not just hairdressers. They are your friend. They are your therapist. They I mean you learn a lot about people when they're sitting in your chair. You you really have to be able to connect 
with people. Absolutely. And it sounds like you have, you certainly both have a gift with the ability to connect with people. It's more than just making them look pretty, but helping them to feel pretty too. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Um, you really, one thing I'm sure Veronica, you probably have this too, but, um, you have to be able to read people and, mm. you know, um, I'd say that 50% of my job is having people skills. Like yeah. mm-hmm. you, can, you can have all the skills in the world, but if people like kind of don't want to be there with you, I always tell my clients at a minimum, they have to be able to tolerate me. So yes, <laughs> you up to like really liking you. Um, and that, that's a whole skill set. you know, it takes a while to develop, but, um, once you get that, that that's a huge piece of, of what I do. Definitely. So how are you each? Yeah. Yeah. How are you each able to attract your ideal clientele base? We don't start off attracting your ideal clientele base. I think for sure. I think it's something that as, as challenging as it is for people, uh, I think it does come with time. You know, when you first start off, you really have to, most of the time when you first start off, you don't, I don't feel like you've necessarily discovered like your own signature look or your own right. signature style at that point. So because you haven't discovered that about yourself, then you probably haven't discovered which clients are going to really vibe with you. Yeah. So I think initially you have to be open to taking a lot of different looks, a lot of different projects, a lot of different clientele of different, you know, skin yeah. types, skin tones, ethnicities, ages, all of those things. So that way you can really get a feel for you know, challenging yourself and determining what your ideal area is that you can find your ideal client. Cause that looks different to every single person. It definitely takes time. I, that's something I learned. I don't know if I mentioned this offline, but I'm a photographer and it took me several years to figure out who I wanted to take pictures for. I, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything and, and get as many people in front of my camera as I can. And then over several years, I realized what I really enjoyed and what I really definitely did not enjoy. I, I did the wedding thing. It was beautiful. It was memorable, but it was not for me. Kudos to the wed- wedding photographers out yeah. there. That is a challenging job, <laughs> but it, it definitely, you know, giving myself grace and knowing that finding that that niche market and that target audience does not come overnight. It's a longer process. Absolutely. I'd have to agree with uh, Veronica. Um, you kind of you develop your style, or and then once you develop your style, you're, you're able to attract the people um, that appreciate your style. Like mm-hmm. I always tell my customer, I said, you know, assuming that everybody, every hairdresser is competent, um, like technically, it's the the biggest the biggest piece is making sure that they're aesthetics and like what you produce line up so that way you really are on the same page with like you know whatever you guys decide that you want to do because you could say like you know you could have 10 different hairstylists and they all do highlights you just ask for uh highlights and they're all going to look different so um, you know making sure that what what your style is and their style is lines up and you eventually find each other like that kind of like weeds itself out yeah. you know the people that it lines up with they stick and the people that it doesn't you know it's um it's just not a good match right it's just yeah. like going on a date i tell people all the time like it's a date the first yeah. time they come and like if it's if it's good we'll continue to date 
And if not, you know, we're gonna say this I'm not I'm not bad, they're not good, they're I'm not good, they're not bad. It's just it wasn't yeah. a good match. So, you know, you just say, okay, and you know, just that's it. Yeah. That's that's so such a funny analogy. I never thought of it like that, but I think about my hairdresser and I am so loyal to her because I, you know, I tried out a bunch of different people and it just it wasn't a good fit. You know, we we weren't a match, but now I'm like, I will, wherever you move to, I will go. I will, I am committed. We are in a relationship now. <laughs> She's oh, I, I trust her with my life. And of course, I'm like such an oversharer in the chair when I get my hair and makeup done. I'm like, I'm just going to tell you everything that's going on in my life. And you don't even have to listen. Just like pretend like you're listening. And I feel so much better afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, my next question is, how do you create meaningful connections through your work? I know you both sort of touched on this a little bit already, but I'd love to hear, like, how do you make your clients feel special? I'm a good listener. So mm -hmm. when people are talking to me, you know, like you said about their personal stuff, whatever, if you can, if you can remember that and kind of mention it, um, you know, uh, the next time you see them, yeah. like, like I did with, uh, like I did with your, uh, your health medicine. Yes. That meant so much to me. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I knew that, you know, I could bring that up and, um, you just know that I was paying attention. Yeah. Um, some, something else that I'll do from time to time. If I see little things that remind me, like if I see things online that remind me of certain customers or I thought of them or something, I might shoot them a message or tag them in something just so I'm like, hey, you know, you like uh, neon signs in your room. So here, here's one that reads Madison, you know, <laughs> I'd, send, I'd send it to you, you know, um, just so that they know that you're thinking of them. So, you know, nobody's ever, I always say this, nobody's ever like, obligated you know i don't own any of the customers and so even right. if it is like a relationship um you know even if at some point for whatever reason you know um they decide that they don't want to come to me you know part ways whatever um i'm always appreciative that they did come to me for the time that they did come to me so there's never any hard feelings or anything like that you know just life happens and you know sometimes people move and it's out of their control your control whatever but just making the relationship as positive um, uh, as you can for the time that they are with you. Yeah, love that. On our end, one of the things that I really instill in um, our our girls is to approach the situation from like a place of authenticity, but also um, and you know, you mentioned earlier that like your hairstylist really becomes your friend. And we really want to instill that in each of our artists, because oftentimes when someone is like sitting down in a chair and they're looking at their artist who has their hair done and their makeup done, and they're sitting there without their hair or their makeup done, it's a really vulnerable position to be yeah. in. Um, so one, we want to approach it from such like a, a friendly, authentic place, but also like there are many times that people want to um, sometimes people, if they're, they almost want to call attention to areas that they maybe feel vulnerable about mm -hmm. because they're looking at their artist and they look at them as just so perfectly put together. And we really want people to be able to find that connection. Yes. So to be understanding and to hear what they're saying when they do open up that place of vulnerability. And we focus a lot on, how 
makeup and hair, especially for a special occasion, um, it's not just a service that you're providing. You're really providing a feeling to that person. So when you are trying to approach that from a feeling standpoint of how can I make this person feel good, um, your verbiage looks different. You approach them from a much more kind and compassionate place for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and I, I feel like we're in 2023. We we've talked about this on the podcast before people want to pay for an experience. They're not just paying to get their hair done or, or their makeup done or their mm-hmm. nails done. They want it to be something that's memorable and enjoyable and good conversation. They feel comfortable. There's so much more that goes into that than just the actual like exchange of service. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. and also, um, and I'm sure Isaac, you can attest, but uh, when you do step into a more luxury field, the expectations associated with your service are, they increase as well. So every time your price point increases, your service also increases. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'd say I'm more on the luxury end of uh, hair services and um, they're already assuming that, you know, technically what you're doing. So it only, it only builds up um, from there. And um, yeah, like, like offering them things to drink or Mm. like I have, um, I have things to drink and coffee and like espresso machine, wine, um, you know, just whatever would make, whatever would make their time with me uh, being um, more, more luxurious, uh, more, um, a, a nicer, better uh, experience, uh, anticipating things that they might need before they would even know it. Yeah. So like for an, an example, um, I have these little sleeves that you can put on your glasses while, while the, the, um, while you have the color on your hair. So wow. just beating them, that's just a small example, but just beating them to the punch and telling them, Oh, give me your glasses and I'll put these sleeves on them. So, um, you know, if they want to wear their glasses while their color's processing, they can. So things like that, you know, just anticipating what their needs would be, yeah. uh, it really goes a long way. That's amazing. I've never heard of such a thing. That would be so helpful. I usually, I, I wear glasses and contacts and if I'm wearing my glasses, I just take them off and then I'm just blind as a bat while my color's processing. So mm-hmm. that would be so helpful. Well, you're welcome. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to let my hairdresser know to to pick some up <laughs> or I'll, I'll bring her some to leave at the salon at her station. Mm-hmm. Next time. <laughs> what is one piece of advice that has benefited each of you in your entrepreneurial journey that you'd want to share with our listeners? Oh, um. are the majority of our listeners other fellow entrepreneurs or are they, are they going to be more consumers? So I feel like that would, that would depend on how I answer that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of both. Um, it's a lot of, of small business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives that listen, but it's also, I mean, a lot of people are also consumers of the beauty industry. So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> so one of the things that I, I think has benefited me is when we talk about, you know, understanding our niche market. And mm-hmm. one of the things that that really means understanding is when you understand your niche, you also have to understand what your weaknesses are mm-hmm. and where your weak areas are. And while no one wants to turn down business, that's obviously never something people want to do. Um, it is really important to be able to 
identify, especially once you become in higher demand, that someone may request something that may be outside of your wheelhouse. It's not your area of expertise. And you may have to recommend them to someone else who could serve them better. And that essentially means turning down the business. And when we do that in the wedding industry, one of the things that I will tell people is uh, as a company, um, I would say that our company specializes in natural glam to glam. We can do natural makeup, um, but it's just not necessarily our specialty. So if someone were to come to us and they very, very much wanted something that was ultra natural, or maybe they didn't want anything on their skin, it would be important for us to be able to identify for them that there's probably another artist out there that would get them closer to their ideal look. And in turn, that's actually going to make them more happy than right. if you had taken the business and then over-promised and under-delivered. Yep. You're absolutely right. That's that's really good advice. So I, I never really received any entrepreneurial um, advice, but I would say that for for other entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs um, so... So I'll give you a little bit of this, my background here. So I started working for myself a month before COVID started. Um, so that was, you know, I kind of jumped out right before the storm hit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I still have uh, my businesses doing well and everything's going good with it. So I, I think what I would tell people is um, just to be honest with yourself, um, as where you, where you are in your marketplace. I think the biggest mistake people make is that they, uh, they overvalue themselves, Mm -hmm. right? They overestimate their value in the marketplace. Um, and so if you can provide a good service at a fair price, which is a good value, um, you're not going to have any problems. So, you just have to be realistic and line yourself up with, um, you know, where, where, where the market sees you in the yeah. market, not, yeah. not where you think you should be in the market. Um, and, you know, I always say like people vote with their dollar. Yeah. So if people, if people are coming to see you at your designated price point, then, then you've estimated yourself, um, correctly. Yeah. Um, Love that. So that's, that's what I would say for entrepreneurs. And then um, for kind of, kind of like the same thing you said also as the customers. Yeah. Um, For customers. um, If it's, it's, it's real simple. I I compare, I compare food all the, or uh, hair all the time to food. Like if you love McDonald's and, um, What's a, what's a big, I don't know, a big famous steak place or something. I don't know. We have one in Tampa called Burns, uh, Charlie's Ocean Prime, whatever. Yeah. Oh, if, you know, if you think that food is great and McDonald's is terrible, you're right. If you think (laughs) McDonald's is great and that other food is terrible, you're right. It it doesn't matter. You know, I would say, I would say for the customers to kind of line up their expectations with um, wherever they feel comfortable, yeah, you know, um, going to have those yeah. services done, and right. that's probably we're gonna they're gonna get the the best uh, results. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, my final question before we wrap up for today, what trends might your specific industry see in the remainder of 2023? One of the things that um, uh, uh, bridal trends are maybe a little bit, a little bit different than, Uh you know, what might be, what you might see on, on the internet or what might be going viral and things on TikTok. And, and part of the reason I say that is because when you look at what's popular in the bridal industry, you want those looks to be kind of immovable. Mm -hmm. So in 20 years, you want to look back at your wedding photos and still think that you looked absolutely breathtaking, no matter what the trends are in 20 years. So it's really kind of emphasizing that timeless beauty that that aspects that's going to pull forward all of your best features um, and just bring out like the best version of you possible. Um, So in that aspect, I would say, you know, there's, there's maybe, there's maybe it's a little bit less trendy, I guess I could say for, for bridal makeup. Um, The one thing that I will see as like overall as a, society and how that will impact, you know, bridal is I think we're kind of stepping back into, you know, embracing a lot more natural looks for women, natural bodies, natural hair, natural um, makeup. And so I think that the bridal industry will start to follow that as well. I love that. So, yeah, I feel the same way. I don't don't know that. um, I think with social media now, we see so much of what we like on our feeds that it's hard to like distinguish what's in style or is that just like what we like. Right. Um, so I think the the overall like uh, theme more so now is things being individualized and personalized. So I feel like whatever, I mean, things can always look dated, but more so than like a specific look, what's going to look good on that person. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of think that maybe hair will start to go a little bit uh, shorter in general, cause it's been really long for a while. And um, I'm also seeing a little bit more of like a, a nineties big blowout feel versus yes. as much beach waves. So maybe if anything, maybe that, maybe like more uh, airy, fluffy hair. I'm not so impressed with like the hot tools as much, Um, but just doing, you know, just just hair that's going to make the people uh, feel and look as good as how they want to look. Everything being personalized to them, just like everything else now is personalized. Yes. Very well said. That's awesome. Yeah. I've seen that all over my TikTok. It's like, long hair is out, short hair is in. And I'm like, great. Well, I finally got around to getting the extensions and getting the long hair. So I'm not going back to the short hair anytime soon because that was a big investment. So I, I guess Look, I'm behind. <laughs> I I really tell people that, and, and this is one thing we focus on as a company, but beauty is so subjective, yeah. you know, and if you feel good, you look good. So that stands stands so much truer so i know that there are things that i do as a makeup girly and a makeup junkie and things like that that i'm sure are so out of trend now but i'm like if i feel good then that's all that matters and i think it and when we were um isaac mentioned it's so personalized it's it's such a subjective thing like what beauty is so i always encourage people um to just do what makes you feel good yeah like that's the most attractive thing you can do yes 
Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for the wonderful conversation today. This was so fun to hear a little bit more about each of you and your backgrounds. And I'm just thrilled to see what this year has in store for, for your businesses and, and for the beauty industry as a whole. Awesome. Well, thank you for having us. It was so great getting to chat. Yes, yeah. Thanks absolutely. for uh, inviting us. Absolutely. Absolutely.